0: Our evil hits a Brazilian medical diagnostics company and a British fashion retailer. A misconfigured cloud database exposes millions of WordPress user records. A new cryptojacker is deploying XM rig to mine Monero. A judgment is issued against a hacker and one of the traders he worked with to trade securities on non-public information. Johannes Ulrich from SANS on server site request forgery and errors in validating IP addresses. Our guest is Tom Patterson from Unisys reacting to the DOJ launching a ransomware task force and a Fin7 operator is sentenced to 7 years. From the CyberWire Studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Friday, June 25th, 2021. R-Evil, the ransomware strain that hit JBS a few weeks ago, has afflicted another victim. Sao Paulo-based Grupo Fluri, the Rio Times reports, is in the process of responding to and recovering from an attack that's crippled normal operations and forced the large healthcare organization to revert to backup systems as its customers continue to deliver patient care. Grupo Fluri, the largest medical diagnostic firm in Brazil, was hit on June 22nd. Our evil has also recently hit fashion retailer The French Connection, The Register reports. The French Connection said that the incident affected its back-end servers and that customer data is not at risk. InfoSecurity Magazine reports that researchers at Website Planet found a misconfigured cloud database belonging to DreamHost that exposed more than 800 million records associated with WordPress users. It's an accidental exposure, but of course the actual or potential compromise raises the prospect of more plausible social engineering. The more the hoods know, the more specious their approaches can be. Avast describes a strain of malware they're calling Krakenosh. The malware's coinjacking capabilities appear to be its main goal. Specifically, it installs the XM-Rig coin miner and collects Monero, Krakenash is distributed through pirated, cracked copies of software, including some antivirus utilities. Coindesk says the hoods operating the malware have taken in around $2 million so far. Krakenash is evasive and it takes particular care to disable security software it detects on its victims' machines. The U.S. District Court for the District of New Jersey entered a default judgment against two gentlemen who hacked non-public copies of press releases from BusinessWire, MarketWired, and PR NewsWire. They then used the information for illicit securities trading. The default judgment, neither of the men appeared, ordered hacker Alexander Yeremenko to pay a Securities and Exchange Commission-imposed fine of $319 million. One of Mr. Yeremenko's colleagues, trader Pavel Dubovoy, was ordered to pay $33 million. Both are currently resident in Ukraine, and so for the time being, at least, beyond the reach of the SEC. And in other news from the courthouse, another Ukrainian national, Odrey Kopakov, a leader of some sort in the Fin-7 cybercriminal organization, was sentenced yesterday to seven years and required to pay his victims $2.5 million in restitution, the record reports. Most of the organization's Fin-7 hit were in the restaurant gaming and hospitality sectors. Some prominent fast and fast-casual American dining chains were among the victims, including Chipotle, Chili's, Arby's, and Red Robin. Fin7 would sell some of its take in prominent criminal carding markets, like Joker's Stash. Mr. Kolpakov took a guilty plea back in November, and while he evidently made a serious contribution to Fin7's crimes— he was not, as he explained it, anything approaching the kingpin, big boy, number one, or Mr. Big. His lawyer argued, in extenuation and mitigation during sentencing hearings, that Mr. Kopakoff joined Fin7 without fully understanding what he was getting into. Maybe he had a point, although that point wasn't enough extenuation to get him less than seven years. Fin7 represented itself online as combi-security, an information security outfit that claimed to be a legitimate provider of services to business. This was, for the most part, a recruiting ploy, and Mr. Kopakov said it worked on him. The record explains, quote, Kopakov maintained that he did not seek to join FIN7. He applied to a classified advertisement for what he thought was a legitimate cybersecurity job at a company called Combi Security. Additionally, Kopakov made about $75,000 for his work, an amount that provided his family security and stability, but a modest sum for a cyber criminal. fin 7 put up a website for Combi Security on which the front company described itself as one of the leading international companies in the field of information security. But, in truth and fact, the court documents say, Combi Security carried out no legitimate work and was not hired by any company to provide security-related services. So, Combi Security was a front for both recruiting and also a front designed to give FIN7's members a measure of plausible deniability. By the time he realized what was afoot, Mr. Kopakov said he'd been backed into a corner and found it impossible to get out. He apologized to his victims and asked for their forgiveness. How was he caught? On vacation, of course. Like most Eastern European cybercriminals, he craved sunlight and warmth. Spanish police collared Mr. Kopakoff in 2018 while he was vacationing in the town of Lipe. He had in his possession incriminating electronic devices, laptop, phone, and storage media that were used in Fin7's capers. Spain extradited him to the U.S. in 2019, a moral for criminals and privateers book your vacations in Chelyabinsk. It may not be scenic, but at least it's safe. And for heaven's sake, while you're on vacation, leave your work at home. We keep telling our editors to do that, but do they listen? No. They take their phones, their laptops, their storage devices to Ocean City with them, and that is no way to vacation. Vooey. The U.S. Justice Department recently announced plans for a ransomware task force. For insights on this development, I checked in with Tom Patterson. He's chief trust officer for Unisys and a senior fellow at Auburn University's McCrary Center for Homeland Security.
1: Yeah, I think this is a direction that this entire administration is heading in. The appointments that uh, have been made in national security and cybersecurity have been people that really have a a firm grip, not just on policy, uh, but on what's going on in the real world, how the threats are impacting our critical infrastructure, how they're impacting our daily commerce, how they're impacting our citizens' lives. So they've really, I think, tried to address these issues in a coordinated way, but uh, in a way where they're they're tackling some of these harder ones that uh, are really highly impactful to our economy.
0: You know, it strikes me also that this is one of the, I, I suppose, uh, few areas that remains uh, having bipartisan support. You know, there there are I can't think of any, anyone in Congress who's against better cyber security. Um, does that point to this having uh, an easy pathway through the legislature if need be?
1: I've lived in Washington long enough not to. Uh... To project what's what's going to go through. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, <laughs> but, uh, but absolutely. I you know I'm a, a lifelong national security uh, employee of some sort somewhere, and uh, I can tell you it, it is a bipartisan effort. Uh, we've got great people, uh, regardless of, of uh, what color tie they wear, uh, that are really highly supportive of this on Capitol Hill. The administration's just just uh, been loading up on on great additional new people. Kept a lot of great people. And so we, we've got a good team on, on the federal side. I think it'll be working to, to drive this forward. Uh, it will take that whole of nation effort, though. So we do need companies, especially ones, companies that work in our, our critical infrastructure sectors uh, to really step up. And, uh, you know, if they say we need help, I think the government is, is more than ready, 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 or more ready than they've ever been uh, to step up and, and give companies the kind of help they need. Uh, so that they can uh, really help this fight against ransomware. You know, this is this is everybody's responsibility. Uh, a lot of you, you read about these exotic attacks, you know, vectors, and and everyone that gets that's a victim says, "Oh, we could have never foreseen this." And and yet, a lot of this malware still gets in because companies aren't doing the basics. They aren't doing you know the the dozen or so basic things that just has to happen. If if you want to have an organization today that uses the internet, especially now you've got your employees working from home and you you may keep more of that. You've got to step up your defenses and really do the basics across the board. They're not that hard, there is a cost to it, but consider it the cost of doing business. If everybody did the basic stuff, it would make it much harder for these ransomware folks to to really get in and and cause this damage. So it's something that everybody needs to uh, participate in. And that was really the gist of of the uh, initial report from the DOJ is that it's, it's a whole of nation effort.
0: That's Tom Patterson from Unisys. There's a lot more to this conversation. If you want to hear the full interview, head on over to CyberWire Pro and sign up for Interview Selects, where you'll get access to this and many more extended interviews. visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour that's vanta.com slash cyber and joining me once again is Johannes Ulrich he's the dean of research at the sands Technology Institute. Also the host of the ISC Stormcast podcast, Johannes, always great to have you back. Um, Got some interesting stuff to cover today. Uh, You wanted to check in on this notion of server side request forgeries uh, and what's
2: going on there. Can you share with us what, what are you working on? Yeah, uh, so thanks for having me again, Dave. Uh, what uh, this is specifically about is uh, well, server-side request forgery is part of it, and that's certainly a vulnerability that has sort of been taking off over the last few years with us deploying more and more of these uh, APIs uh, that are HTTP-based that sort of connect to each other. And as part of this, uh, we have to validate which other APIs, a particular API, can connect to. You know, it's after all, all about machines talking to machines these days. <laughs> and right. um, uh, we have to make sure we only talk to nice machines, not to those you know, Terminator kind of evil machines that we sometimes sure, have. Sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, part of uh, how we identify them is uh, by IP address. So uh, a cornerstone of uh, validating what we connect to, what we allow our users to connect to, is validating the IP address, and sadly, pretty much every language that's trying to do this has had a very specific vulnerability uh, lately. And uh, that's the fact that IP addresses—they they may be represented in octal. And well, I'm sure you use octal to add up your grocery bills and stuff like. Oh this. yeah, sure. We, we do every this all day. the time. If, Just if hexadecimal it is off. too complex, sure. kind of. <laughs>
0: yeah, so. Honestly, I don't think I've thought about octal since I was in a kid. <laughs> go on, but, but go
2: on. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and apparently a lot of developers develop these libraries that validate IP addresses, didn't really think about it, but then the libraries that establish the connection, they think about it. And mm. uh, so uh, now, for example, I may specify an IP address, but now I use a zero as leading digit. Uh, that sort of implicates that uh, this is Octal. So you know, think about 10 dot addresses. Uh, we always use them, they're usually internal addresses, so uh, they may be allowed. Uh, now, if I say 0, 010, so 010, 0, 0, well, in Octal, that's 8. So now if I want to connect to, let's say, 8888, the Google DNS server, and you don't want me to connect to the Google DNS server, I could just specify 010.010.010.010 mm. and uh, bypass your filter. Wow, okay. Uh, clever computers, clever
0: computers, clever people. Well, is, there, is there a fix here? What's uh, What's what, What's the workaround, or is this something we're stuck with?
2: Well, uh, the fix is, as uh, so often, just update everything. Uh, that, mm. uh, that'll that fix it. I think it was uh, this week uh, We had a fix, for example, for the Python library that does that. A couple of months ago, we had the respective sort of uh, NPM uh, libraries were updated. Perl was vulnerable. Like I said, pretty much any language was vulnerable. As a quick workaround, well, uh, don't allow these leading zeros. Uh, Now, okay, Hmm. the the purist here will complain that uh, you're supposed to allow it because the standard allows it, but... We throw standards out of the window all the time if it makes things easier. (laughs) um, And safer, and safer. And and safer, so (laughs) I I would say, hey, for now, uh, if there's a leading zero, no good point in having that. uh, Let's throw out uh, those IP addresses, and uh, hopefully over time, your libraries will get updated and and fix that. Hmm. All right, interesting stuff
0: as always. Johannes Ulrich, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at the CyberWire.com. Don't forget to check out this weekend's Research Saturday and my conversation with Jonathan Stream Amit from Cyber Reason. We're going to be discussing the Promete Botnet, exploiting Microsoft Exchange Vulnerabilities. That's Research Saturday. Check it out. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technology. Our amazing Cyberwire team is sending warm wishes for future success to producer Kelsey Bond as she leaves the Cyberwire and moves on to new challenges and opportunities. On behalf of all of us, I can say that Kelsey's contributions to our team were invaluable and we wouldn't be where we are today without her hard work creativity, and dedication. Good luck to you, Kelsey, and don't be a stranger. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. visit cyberwire.com/survey that's cyberwire.com/survey and share your feedback now and now a word from our sponsor Zscaler the leader in cloud security